0: The Cover Podcast with Cat Rice. Hi, Nikki. How are you doing? How- yeah, I'm. I'm doing great.
1: Thank you. How are you? Yeah, everything's chaotic, like any other person in uh, working in the music business. Mm-hmm. Somewhat every Friday tends to be quite manic, you know. Emails Definitely, are pinging away, yeah. social media, and all of that stuff. However, is not been the case today as much as yeah. sadly the Queen's passed away.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that this morning in my own inbox because I was doing the news stories this morning. It was just I'm not sure if people are pushing releases back or if people are off today. I'm not not totally sure what it is, but. There's a lot less in the inbox this morning. I've noticed
1: I don't know about yourself but has um do you get a bit overwhelmed sometimes about yeah everything your phone pinging away and I don't know if you've noticed now that there seems to be a lot more music releases
0: on a Wednesday as well the, does your emails go crazy as well on a Wednesday? Yeah definitely because um I was actually I was moving last Wednesday was when yes. I came over here so I wasn't checking my email like all day. And then I went on and there was like 40 unread messages just like in a short space of time. And I was like, I can't cope.
1: I know. I think in a way it's a, a blessing and it can be cursed sometimes. You know, yeah. I, I love, you know, we love doing the things that we do in the music business, like writing about artists, talking about artists and talking to artists as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, which I'm going to touch, touch upon that a little bit because... We as in the music business, like I do a bit of radio, I write and I, I talk to artists as well. And that's something that you do as well. So I'm going to touch upon that because it's really exciting to actually meet your peers. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever come across some people who are always a bit like, oh, I don't know. I think jealous is a little bit, is too strong word, but some people aren't as supportive. Mm hmm. Have you ever come across that
0: throughout your your career? Yeah, or they think it's just kind of like an easy job where you just get to talk to musicians and listen to albums all day. Like people don't really get what goes on behind the scenes, all the editing you have to do, all the emails you have to read. People don't always understand what the job is, like, especially with interviewing, people think it's really cool. It's just sitting having a chat, but there's always a lot of preparation goes into that, that people don't see behind the scenes.
1: I, um, personally, I suffer from crippling anxiety. Me too. (laughs) Yes, and... I don't know if people realise sometimes how, for myself, I have for every interview that I do, regardless of being an artist, someone who works in music or whoever it is, a friend, I I have to prepare. I have to Mm -hmm. uh, psych myself up. Yeah,
0: definitely. It's
1: not easy.
0: And you always get that kind of moment of absolute panic just before you go on a meeting or go on to an interview. It's just that moment of absolute panic. You feel sick, like sometimes... For really big interviews I'm just totally useless For like a full day beforehand Because I'm just mentally preparing myself And trying to like talk myself down You know And also like obviously as an interviewer as well Like you're always aware of
1: Shall I ask this question or not Are this, um, this person going to think that I'm a bit I don't know if I'm stupid almost That's mm-hmm. a personal thing sometimes For me anyway I'm like I'm always questioning things What am I going to ask Maybe I shouldn't just think about it too much I'm just going to do I let it flow. But then at the same time, it's like, well, I want to make sure that I do my best work because sometimes it's like you might've, have- got an um interviewed a band or whatever and they just went with it it just flirted it was fine fantastic but they're the artists that can be a bit like a lot of ums and and they don't know what to say and you just like oh my god did I just ask a question that was perhaps like silly or they don't want to answer but they don't want to be
0: rude or yeah it's It's tough to find that balance, and it's you always have to remember, like you're you're talking to people, maybe like they're having a bad day or you're having a bad day, and sometimes the answer, like it just won't flow as well. The conversation sometimes it is just one word answers, sometimes it's not. Sometimes maybe it is about preparation, but sometimes it's just about what day you're catching people. But the first the first instinct I think is to like blame yourself and blame the questions that you're asking if people aren't responding super well to them. How did journalism start for you? How did it all start? So for me, I've loved music for a really long time, but I never, I don't know if I just didn't really know that music journalism was like a specific thing I could do. But on my first week at university, I went to like the the fair where all of the clubs and societies are. And I met with people from The Edge, which is an entertainment magazine at the University of Southampton. And basically someone came up to me and was like, would you like free gig tickets to write reviews about music you love? Yes, sign me up. Yes, please. So I quickly got involved with that, got into writing album reviews for them and just totally fell in love with it. The year after that, I was on the committee for that club myself. I was the music editor of that magazine for a year, which, again, was just so much fun. Southampton's a really great place to be for a music scene. There's so many gigs. It's just a great time. And that introduced me to a lot of PRs, a lot of people in the industry. And after that, I started um, working with a few other publications. I've been with GigWise for a little while. And I'm actually still at university. I'm I've just about to start my final year of university. Final year? When, yeah. Uh, yeah, and this is like the th- third year is the most difficult one <laughs> mm-hmm. well for me actually it's technically my fifth year because Ooh, okay. um, <laughs> um, I study French and Spanish so my degree involved a year abroad as well but of course my year abroad was planned right during Covid so oh. that unfortunately got cancelled oh, so I so ended up to yeah I ended up taking a year off university going abroad the next year, and now I'm back for my final year. So technically my fifth year of university, um, even though most other people graduate in three, it's taking me a little bit longer.
1: How was COVID for you? How was the whole lockdown thing? Was it really difficult? Did you
0: get along okay? Or Because people had yeah, different experiences, didn't it was, they? It was a strange one, especially because... That hit in my second year of university. I was really yeah. finding my stride. I was involved with this magazine, going to concerts all the time, and then suddenly yes. there was nothing. Um, I'm from Northern Ireland. For could anyone, tell by the accent. <laughs> yeah, for anyone who could tell by the accent or was maybe struggling to place it. So I ended up going back home for, for quite a long time. I was back and forward to Southampton a little bit, but otherwise I was back home. So it's got to the stage now. I've just arrived back in Southampton. This is really my first time living here in two years. So I'm running into people on the street that previously I've been seeing every day and just hadn't seen in person for two years, which is absolutely crazy. So it was quite hard with that added distance between between my friends at uni and um, being back home. And then, of course, moving to France for a year in the middle of it. Another very strange thing to do, especially Covid was still going on at that point, um, still going on now, but there was sort of, there was more travel restrictions back then. So that added another, another lovely layer of stress into my life.
1: Oh, so being from Ireland, how does it compare to Southampton? Like living in the um, uh, in the UK? Well,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's a strange one. There's England. sometimes like I do really miss things about, about um being from Ireland, being from Northern Ireland um in terms of like a music scene Southampton is just a better place to be there's not there's not so many concerts and things like that in Northern Ireland we don't really have any music festivals or anything like that so to come here and be able to go to gigs every week if I wanted to that was a on a school deal. night <laughs> <laughs> on a school night yeah it feels um, almost feels a bit
1: naughty doesn't it like but yeah it's, it's for like work, I shouldn't it's for be able reviewing. to do this, I can have a pint or two or whichever drink of choice <laughs>
0: yeah
1: oh that's really cool like from uh for me like, I'm I was born in Portugal
0: mm-hmm.
1: I have lived uh in well I've lived in England since 2002 so a very long time and uh it's I've I've always like I've always loved music like a bit of everything for me I I was um I grew up watching the MTV yeah, uh, yeah. When um, we had music videos, I know uh, no music videos on TV, thing,
0: right? <laughs> just not
1: it a was... thing anymore. Yeah, yeah. no I'm, um, I'm. Kind of, sometimes I miss it, and uh, but we've got YouTube now. I don't know if yeah. people pay much attention to YouTube nowadays for music
0: as such. Um, yeah, I think music videos, I guess, just aren't so much of a thing anymore because everything is on streaming. Um, I've also noticed as well a lot of new artists are calling them visuals or visualizers instead Mm. of music videos, which is a strange kind of change. I don't know how much that's going to catch on, but I was like, am I old? Am I using outdated terms now? I don't know. I (laughs) I
1: think like obviously visualizers work quite well for platforms like TikTok. Mm -hmm, Uh, And I think that music videos are coming back there's a lot of reactors now and reactors um, they're just like oh you know I watched this video I found it really cool and then you know word of mouth is so powerful Mm -hmm. so uh, I think it's coming back but obviously sometimes like especially with we're going to go back to um, talking about cost you know like creating a music video getting people to do it it's not cheap exactly yeah. and obviously if you do a visualize it's going to be much cheaper you can do it mm-hmm. for uh you know a fraction of the price but also you know it's uh, you'd be before all the pra- platforms mm-hmm. so f- especially nowadays where everything <laughs> costs a
0: fortune especially if you are a musician yeah exactly. right and there is kind of this rise of you've got bedroom pop you've got diy aesthetics are coming back again so a lot of people are choosing to make music videos and visualizers themselves just because it is the most cost effective thing to do especially of course during covid no one was doing live shows nobody was getting paid
1: it was sad it was-
0: yeah
1: i <laughs> was very sad um but for me like on a personal level it was just like right this is what we've got this is what we've got and uh, we're going to just work with it Mm-hmm. For me, that's where it's, I could concentrate on uh, things that I've always wanted to do, you know, like podcasting, uh, where we chat to lots of different people and uh, going doing radio and interviews and stuff like that. For me, it was just like, right, okay, I'm going to take something that's really bad and turn into a really good thing. So on a personal level, it wasn't too bad, but I can recognize for other people that, you know, might have
0: not been as good (laughs) yeah it was for me yeah I feel the same way because I think without having that year off in the middle of my degree because of COVID um Mm. I was obviously working with the university magazine at that point but because I had all of that free time um I had another job during that year I was actually like teaching English conversation tutoring Mm. people in English um but during that time when I had more time That allowed me to get in touch with people and find new publications to work with. And that brought me just some of the best opportunities that I've had in the time that I've been doing this. So I definitely don't regret taking time off university. Um, I I think I was able to make the best of, of a bad situation.
1: It's just like, see what we have and then go, you know, go along with it because if you just uh, well it's sometimes it's easier said than done you can't just mm-hmm. say oh you know oh just do it it's not as simple as that but it's um can recognize it's been difficult for some people especially for people who just before covid were like i'm going to do this musician thing full time and then covid just like bam you know no nope, mm-hmm. no you're not sorry <laughs> yeah but on the other hand there were so many bands that started because of covid they had nothing else to do
0: yeah exactly it's, they had it's nothing so else strange to do. and now you're getting bands going on tour maybe for the first time in their career even though they've maybe released quite a lot of music they're finally getting to play live and really um, introduce it to people which I'm sure is really strange for a young band probably not something that's ever really happened before looking at different music scenes where people have have started and released a lot of music without actually playing live or playing live in the traditional settings that we know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And talking about bands now, we've uh, touched upon like, you know, the the underground people, you know, unsigned, the people that just started now, but interviewing people, which like of the artists and bands so far that you've
0: interviewed, which one's been your favorite so far? good question so probably the one that was one of the biggest for me so my first one of my first major interviews the one that I was so nervous for was Taylor Momsen from the Pretty Reckless that was a that was a really big deal um I've known her music for their music for such a long time and that was that was an absolutely massive opportunity for me I'm not sure I I think I would do the interview very differently now if I was looking at it but because I was just starting out um, I was just so excited to do it it was my longest interview it was a full-length feature Um, so that's always one that's that's very important to me and then more recently I did a cover feature for Gigwise with Bob Villain who were just an absolute delight to talk to again that was a that was quite a big feature for me that was like three thousand something words so nice. it was much longer much much more writing than I was used to I'm used to a lot shorter interviews but again it was just such an amazing experience well, that sounds pretty cool of uh
1: yeah I feel a little jealous now <laughs> to interview those two <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh, I I get the the, the nerves you know mm-hmm. just before before an interview and stuff uh, looking back like um, we've interviewed quite a few bands but looking back I think I was very nervous to chat to Nico from um, Electric Boy. Mm-hmm. I was very very nervous but also it was, I was in a hotel about to go to a festival to do interviews at a festival so I was in this hotel I needed to get you know, get sorted to go on to um like to go on site and uh, their internet connection was really bad and my internet connection was really bad and uh, getting like cut off in the middle and I'm just like oh my god please not now
0: I was yeah. so nervous so so the problem with problem with these Zoom interviews online interviews even over the phone can be a little bit dodgy sometimes because that it doesn't really help the conversation when you're getting cut off, people are disappearing from the call, it can uh, adds just another layer of stress to it.
1: When you interview an abandoned uh, artist, do you normally do it like like we do it now, like via Zoom? Or is it like on the phone? Or we what how do you do
0: it? Um, most of the time for me, I think the vast majority of my interviews have been on Zoom. Mm. Um I've actually, because obviously I was all over the place um, after I got started in music journalism. I was doing interviews from Northern Ireland. I was doing interviews from France. I've actually only done, I think, one in-person interview, one or two. So yeah, this is this is really what I'm used to: is the is the um, Zoom interviews, a few of them on the phone as well. There's been some some setups where I'll do a phone interview and I'll have the phone on the speaker and. I'll have my laptop up with just like Audacity running because I don't have any like professional recording software or anything. So I'm just kind of recording from one device onto the other. And I keep checking to make sure it's all working okay because it's my biggest fear that a recording doesn't work and I have to remember people's answers and that whole idea just puts puts a lot of stress on me, so I'm always very careful to know that the the recordings are working right. Um, That's that's happened to me.
1: I'm interviewing somebody, and I can't even remember who it was. I've done quite a few, but I'm doing this thing, and we're talking for nearly two hours, and this was really interesting. And then I'm like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And then I'm like, oh, found it, and there was the uh, video capture, but no audio,
0: and I was so sad. I think I wanted to break everything that day. Yeah. I think honestly before every interview, especially the bigger ones, I will have a nightmare that I've that the recording hasn't worked or I've forgotten to record it. Like I have that recurring nightmare every time I have an interview coming up that something technologically has gone wrong or just that the artist doesn't like me but there's always <laughs> that anxiety playing in my head. I know how that feels
1: like I can relate so so much and uh, especially now nowadays as well like when we're doing interviews I try to uh, be really careful w- with what I say but also with pronouns Mm -hmm. I really don't like because I don't (laughs) I don't like when people like you know misgender me or whatever but obviously I'm not going to be like I'm not going to talk to you anymore it's just more of like educating other people Mm -hmm. and being like well this is how I identify myself thank you Mm -hmm. you know and from now on but um because I feel that way with other people when other people do misgender me and um I try really hard to if I don't know how they identify I tried to go by they them anyway you know yeah. what I mean because I think that's just a. Uh, I think it's just really important do you know what I mean
0: yeah I've I've definitely made a habit of doing that you'll see on my zoom that I've got my pronouns and my name yeah. um just just to kind of let people know like hey if you want to share something about your pronouns if you need to if you like want to tell me anything for the interview like let me know I'm not gonna act weirdly about it um sometimes it's a case of like looking on people's social media before the interview it's part Mm -hmm. of the research process for me um or I will just ask sometimes there's people use a couple of different pronouns like like she and they something like that and I just always ask like do you have a preference to what I use in the article or mix it up a little bit use both and I find people tend to respond quite well to that Um, if I if I don't know the pronouns before I will just just ask in the interview decoratable sharing grab a cup of podcast oh with cat rice Kat rice